Howdy. Howdy. There we go. Um, I hope that you were able to meet some people around you to discuss, to kind of fill this out a little bit. This is something that I think we often just do, but maybe we don't have a clue why we do it or why it matters. I had one of our adult leaders come up to me and say, I know why we do this. I said, okay, well, tell me. I'm expecting this great theological answer. And he just said, it's so you can be late to church before it starts. Okay. Um, Marty, uh, you'll be getting a second lesson uh, today. Uh, no, that's the hope is that we can break that of you. Uh, that, that's not what we consider. And I know it was in jest there, but honestly, how many times do we internalize that? That singing is just something we can get through until the meat of the service, until our real time with God starts when this Bible is open. And I really think that we need a reset on this. And so we're going to discuss singing and worship in church. So I'm going to read our passage, Acts 2. It's the same passage we've been in. We're looking at the early church. We're understanding how they lived in response to who God is and what he has done. And we are understanding how we may need to change our rituals and our practices to more align with the scripture. So I'm going to read as we begin. Acts 2, starting in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, we've talked about that, and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers, we've talked about that. And an awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me pray for us. Lord, we ask you now to be in our midst, to dwell in this place, to... uh, soften our hearts, to change our minds, and to change our tomorrow. Lord, we desire, as we study your word and study your character, that who you are becomes uh, real to us, and why we sing becomes meaningful to us. So Lord, I pray that uh, you speak through me, Because my words are not enough, but your words are more than enough. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So we're going in complete reverse order than what you normally would do, because I want us to be able to worship after we've learned about worship a little bit. And so I want to teach for just a few minutes on that passage. We're going to look at verses 46 and 47 really intently. And day by day, attending the temple. Okay, So there was a congregational meeting. And then verse 47, it jumps down and it says, And praising God and having favor with all people. Our focus this morning is understanding worship. Now, here's what we need to first understand. Worship is more than just what happens when we sing on a Sunday morning. Worship, as Paul will say in Romans chapter 12, is our whole life. That we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Worship is how I live my life in response to who God is. 
and how I treat him and I treat others around me. But David also understood that worship in Psalm 51 is more than just making a sacrifice, writing a check, or killing a bull. He says, no, if you will not delight, or I would give it a burnt offering. This is just killing a ram or a lamb and allowing it to be burned completely up. He says, no, what you desire is a broken and contrite heart. That is what you will accept. Micah understands this. I love in the end of verse 6, he says, Shall I bring a burnt offering, a calf a year old? Or what does he say in verse 7? Or a thousand rams? Shall I just have this huge flock of rams that I come and kill and slaughter so that I can worship you? Or should I give you ten thousands of rivers of oil? No. But what does the Lord require, verse 8? That we do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with our God. Worship is a holistic, that's just going to be gone now. Worship is a holistic response of our whole life to God. It's not just singing. Worship is how we live our life. But today we are going to focus just on singing. We're going to focus just on is there value in us singing praises to God or is it just something that we have done for years and years And because grandma likes it, we just keep doing it. What is worship? All right, the definition I'm going to work from today is this. Worship is our response to who God is and what he has done. Most basically, worship is our response to who God is and what he has done. And so, let's open, I mean, let's think about this for a few minutes. In the scripture, I was reading a book this week called Sing by Keith and Kristen Getty. And it says in this book, 400 verses bring up the idea of singing to God in the Bible. So over the course of the Bible, there are 400 times where it calls us to sing, to worship God in song. Here's what I took from that. Worship through song matters, or at least it did. See, I'm afraid that as we come to church, oh, we, we're not late, they're still singing. Oh, we can step out and run to the bathroom during this time because this isn't that meaningful. No, we have to understand the value of singing. So I have my three points this morning. Here they are. You are created to sing, you are compelled to sing, and you are commanded to sing. I got them out of order, so here's the order we're going in in case you write them down. You are created to sing, you are commanded to sing, and you are compelled to sing. So let's just jump through those quickly this morning. Many of you know, uh, in that created to sing, many of you know that we have a three-year-old. So I can't even find Carlin right now. Where are you, Carlin? There you are. Okay, cool. Good to see you. Uh, We are created to sing. We have a three-year-old. He's wild. He's opinionated. Um, He rules our house and thought he could rule school this week until he got kicked out because he was being so bad. And they called me and said, hey, yeah, you need to come pick him up. Um, Our little guy, is uh, he's got some some strong uh, things within him. But one thing that he has loved since he was born from the very beginning is singing. On the way to school, the day he got kicked out, he was singing Amazing Grace in the car seat behind me. I, he hasn't connected the head and the heart yet. We're working on that. Uh, but, but he's singing. 
I mean, think about it. We, we will go through cycles, and if you've been around our family, you know that Cooper loves to sing from Old MacDonald, and we will sing through every animal created, and then some. Mommy and Daddy get on the farm, and we're like, what sound does Mommy and Daddy make? And I always try to say, Mommy says, no, 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 and she doesn't love that. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, good parenting 101. Uh, he's created a thing. I remember one day we were waiting for a restaurant for our table to uh, be available, and we were walking, and there was some gutter, and he started going, where's the spider, Daddy? Because he saw a gutter pipe, and he was like, well, there's the water spout. For sure, there's a spider involved, right? So he's reaching his hand, and I'm like, you don't understand spiders yet. And so, you know, we, we have these things in us. He knows his ABCs. Right now we're doing Hickory Dickory Dock for 45 minutes every single day where we have each animal go up the clock and down the clock, and it's a mess. But here's the thing. He learns through singing. Singing is what helps us learn. Watch. If I said, what's the letter after F? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Oh, G, right? Like, well, we have to sing it aloud. If I said, what's before G? And you see, oh, that was the same question, so you probably have to sing that one. But anyways, like singing is how we learn, right? We, we connect these things through song. It, does anybody in here know all 50 states in order, alphabetically? Do you know it by a song? Okay, right? We learn through song. So in the Bible, there are psalms, which are just songs, and it was the songs for the people of God to remember how to praise God. It, these were songs that they would sing on the way to the temple, praising God together. They're called the songs of ascent. This is how we learn. This is how we remember. This is how we can understand. We, songs help us. But one thing that I want to make sure we understand is that we are created to sing as well. Not only are songs good for us, but they are how we are created. Psalm 98, verse 4, it says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, break, in, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre and with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the king. And listen, it's not just us. Let the sea roar in all that fills it, and the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. All of creation sings praise to God for who he is and what he has done. All of creation. It says that when Jesus is pulled aside after his triumphal entry to Jerusalem, a week before he is going to be crucified, and people pull him aside and say, why did you allow this parade of Hosanna to happen as you were coming in? Don't you think that's a little uh, full of yourself? Don't you think that you uh, are a little like blasphemous? And he says, if they didn't, even the rocks would cry out. Listen, we, all of creation has been created to sing, and we are created to sing. So I have a challenge for you in this created to sing section. I want to try to have a challenge in each section. If you stand silently in your row as we sing as a congregation, you are denying how God has created you to live. If you stand silently just reading the text and wishing it would be over, you are denying how God has created you and what is our next point He has commanded you to do. So our next one is we are commanded to sing. There are 400 verses in the Scripture that bring up singing. Here's a crazy thing. 50 times we are commanded to sing in the Scripture. 
50 times the Bible says to sing to the Lord. I love this uh, verse. I found it this week. Psalm 149, verse 1, the second to last song. It says, Psalm, it says this, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Why do we sing when we're in church? Because this is what scripture has called us to do to sing praise as a gathered group of believers. This is a command in the Scripture. Paul, in Ephesians uh, chapter chapter 5, verse 19, he says this. He says, I want to teach you how to live wisely. And he gives them all these points, not to act foolishly, not to put each other down, not to harm one another, but to be encouraging to one another. And then he says, address one another in psalms and spiritual songs and hymns, singing and making a melody to the Lord with your heart. I want us to understand that last word there, with our heart. Singing is more than just carrying a tune with a certain rhythm and saying a certain lyric. There's a lot of people in here that are okay singers or better, but I wonder how many of us are good at praising, at worshiping, We're not commanded just to sing for fun. We're commanded to praise God and to worship Him for who He is and what He has done. A few years back, I I was doing some chores around the house. We're going to phrase it that way. I think that's a good thing to pretend I do. So I was cleaning up around the house, and I think it was probably on a Friday. Carlin's at work. I'm at home, and I had a song stuck in my head, and I'm pretty sure it was in Christ alone. Some of you may know that song, In Christ Alone, Who Took on Flesh, Fullness of God and Helpless Babe, This Gift of Love and Righteousness, Scorned by the Ones He Came to Save. There's some great lyrics in In Christ Alone. And so it was the earworm for the day in my head, right? That song you get stuck and you're just kind of mumbling and singing as you go about your business. And then um, I had a pop song pop into my head. And so as I was scrubbing dishes, a new song, I transitioned, you know, seamlessly without an ad or anything to this new song. And, and I'm pretty sure, and just for embarrassing sake, we're just going to say it was, I think it was like a Kesha song. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Kesha, maybe before your time. But I'm pretty sure I transitioned from In Christ Alone to I Wake Up Every Morning Feeling Like P. Diddy. <laughs> and, and what I realized is that in my head I was thoughtlessly reciting lyrics without any purpose in my heart. I didn't really know what to do with that. This flippant recitation. It, it kind of became a crisis for me of how do I handle this because I am so embarrassed. Not that I was singing Kesha, but that I was doing it alongside in Christ alone and just making a combo, mashup, mashup. That's what Bill calls them, right? Uh, how can I, in the same moment, be speaking such great truth and then such wasteful words. For a while, I stopped listening to worship music and really any music at all. I don't necessarily recommend that. I'm not saying that's advice I would give. That's just how I responded. I stopped because I needed to detox in a sense from music because I needed to return to the purpose of what words like in Christ alone bring up. So I stopped. Now, I have to be very careful and intentional with whenever I listen to worship music because I don't want to flippantly do it. 
There's an argument to be made that Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A would argue with me and say, hey, just let this dwell in your heart and just play it all the time. And, you know, it's good for our soul. There's, there's probably validity in that. For me, I couldn't just continue on flippantly praising God because it robbed me of the time then when I was here. I began, I began a, to be a singer, not a worshiper. And so I have to stop. And so I listen to worship music very intentionally on my way to start my day when I drop off Cooper every morning. And then I also listen to it on my way to church on Sundays because it prepares my heart and sets the trajectory of my day. And then after that, I don't really listen to much because unless I'm really in the mood that I need to be doing this. I want to make sure that I do not dilute worship into just singing my favorite songs without a mindful and a heartful response to who God is and what He has done. I'm not um, telling you how to do it. All I'm doing is uh, wanting to challenge you to think, how do you handle worship music? And are there times in your life where you are, um, I can't come up with a word, um, using worship music in a way that's not worshipful? because that's not honoring to God, and then I'm afraid it dilutes our time when we do worship. Now, um, we're going to transition a little bit. We're commanded to sing, and when you're in a church, that doesn't mean you get to sing every song you want. I was telling Cooper this week that I think of church worship as kind of like having Spotify without premium, right? Like, you're just kind of along for the ride. You maybe can pick the genre, and you go, okay, this is kind of where I want to sit. You, you know kind of what's going to be coming out, but there's going to be songs that you get that, you are not, that are not your favorite. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. Will you prefer praise over preference? Will you uh, humble yourself? Will you uh, pull yourself away from having to have it your way constantly and choose to praise God and not worry about your preference all day long? I actually think it's good for us sometimes not to always have our favorite songs played. Here's why. When my favorite song's played, I can go on autopilot. I can just be singing my favorite song rather than worshiping my God who saved me, who sent His Son to die for me, and whose praise I ought to be giving. I can just turn on autopilot when my favorite songs come on and just go through the motions more easily than when I'm having to learn a new song or when I'm having to read the lyrics. All right. So we understand we are created to sing. We are commanded to sing. And finally, we are compelled to sing. Unfortunately, this... Morning should have been the first victory of the Aggie football team last night, right? The game should have happened yesterday. And if you've ever experienced that, which I hope many of you have, as you leave the game, there is this great chorus over and over and over again, right? The Aggie war hymn is sung a cappella from the second the final uh, whistle blows all the way as you walk down the ramp and through the tunnel and past the gates, It is on repeat. Between that and people like, hey, I did it right, I think. Yeah, that was a little, yeah. No, I missed? Oh, there we go, right? Like, okay, it's good. So we, we have this as we are leaving. We can't help but sing, right? 
the, the jubilation within us over a victory by 18 to 22 year olds on a field that we didn't step foot on compels us to sing over and over and over again. And we don't get tired of it. And yet, how do we view worship? If you turn on Yay Alabama in our household, Carlin can't help but smile and begin to sing at the top of her lungs. If we play, sorry, if we play the Aggie War Hymn, no matter how many times we've sawed Varsity's horns off, we're going to sing it again because it is just within us and we can't help it. But yet, how many times do we walk into a service at 11 o'clock in the morning and we stand wiping the uh, sleep out of our eyes going, can we just get through with this? We need to understand that when we fully appreciate who God is and what He has done, that we can't help but sing. One of my favorite verses, Acts 4.20, it says, uh, they told Peter and John to just shut up. We've already killed Jesus. Do you want the same fate? Please stop teaching this. You need to stop right now. And they say, uh, we're going to follow God, not you, for we cannot help but sing of what we have, speak of what we have seen and heard. I think we could easily insert sing in there. Have we so understood the sacrifice of Jesus, the grace of God, the goodness of God, that it compels every fiber of our being to sing out to Him? It did so to Moses. Exodus 15. Moses has just led a million people out of Egypt. They've crossed a Red Sea because it was on dry land and the water just stood up beside them. They get all a million people across. Then they look back. The Egyptian army is coming in and as they get into the dried sea, what happens? God releases the water. It covers and kills the whole Egyptian army right there. You know what Moses does? He doesn't just go and sleep. He doesn't throw a wild rager, you know, like, and just like, oh, we're so excited. No, what does he do? He pins words of thankfulness to God. Exodus 15, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. I love that. His response was worship to sing out to God. There's a song, we're going to do it here in a few minutes, How Great Thou Art. I love it because the, song, the, the writer of this hymn he talks about when I consider the awesome wonder of God, and then what does he say? Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. He, he comes to the third verse, and when I think of God his Son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, sent him to, what is it? He bled and died to take away my sins. What is his response? Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. How often are we unmoved by the teaching of this word that we just stand in silence going, is the service over yet? How many times have I been guilty of just looking around the room as praises to God are being sung forth by those around me? How often am I more concerned with are the lights arranged properly? Is the, the drum able to be heard over the piano? How often do I focus on these minor details and miss worshiping my God? You are created to sing. 
not just sit idly by. You are commanded to sing in the assembly of the godly. You are compelled because when we understand grace and mercy and love, our heart cannot help but sing out for who God is and what He has done. I wrote down four excuses that I hear or that I've felt to why I don't sing. Here they are very quickly. I'm not good at singing. Okay, that's fine. Me neither. Join the club. Sit on my row. Sit in front of me. Sit behind me. Whatever. I'm not good at singing. Okay, that's what's so great about that verse in Ephesians. It is make a song or sing a song with your heart. Some of you, your lips are really good at singing, but I don't know about your heart. Some of you, your lips are not very good at singing at all. Somewhat distracting. But is your heart singing praise to God? We get so concerned with our lips and we forget our heart. Second, I'm not feeling it. Hmm. I'm sure God is like, oh, that's fine. No. If you're not feeling it, I'm not feeling worshiping the God of the universe who has done all that I may live and breathe and have life everlasting. If I'm not feeling it today, maybe there's a break in my relationship. Maybe I'm not fully understanding who God is and what he has done. Maybe there's something wrong internally on you and it has nothing to do with the worship leader. I'm not feeling it as a time for you to sit down and to pray and go, God, uh, please break my, my cold and hard heart. I don't like the style. Welcome to church. We're a diverse, gathered people. Some like it full-on rock band. Others like it acoustic. Some want it acapella. Some want hymns because they are deeper in truth. And others like new songs because they are our heart songs now. If we make it about style, we're making it about us. If you are going to focus solely on what song is being sung rather than who it is being sung to, you're missing the whole idea of worship. You're a great singer, but you're a terrible worshiper. I'm sorry you don't always like the style. But we're not just here to appease you. We're not here just to appease me. It's for me to then, when I walk into a room and go, ooh, probably not my favorite song. Okay. I need to figure out how to praise God in that and not how to change it. Fourthly, I'm not musical. This is the last one. Yeah, I'm not either. If you hopped in my car, most days it's listening to sports radio. That's just what I do. Alabama football and Alabama basketball are really important, and so I listen to that all the stinking time. I can tell you just about anything you want to know. But that doesn't excuse me from worship. I'm not musical, that's not an excuse not to be a worshiper of God. I hope you understand the difference. I'm not calling you just to sing. I'm calling you to praise God. Worship is different than just music. Worship is different than just singing. Worship is praise. All right, so we always end with expectations and promises. Band, why don't y'all come on up? If y'all want to come on and get in position, I'm going to finish with this. We expect you to worship God in your whole life. As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual worship. We expect you to be living in this way. Sacrificing your life, taking up your cross daily for the sake of God. But also we expect you to sing. 
Because we don't want to just create people that think that God is just something I approach intellectually, but there are affections deep within me that compel me to sing. Here's what we promise. We are going to create environments that eliminate distractions, that usher you into the throne room of God, and that allow you to worship God in a way that is pleasing and honoring to Him. We promise to create this every week for you. And we promise to encourage you in your worship every single day. I want to end with this thought as I close. Have you ever been wrecked by a song? Like you see it pop up on the lyrics, or maybe you're singing it at one point, and you go, holy cow, that is some deep truth. I have a sticker on my foot. Sorry. You're singing this song, and you're going, oh my goodness. I've had that a few times. And when you do, those are moments that you look back and go, wow, this is who God is. This is what He has done. We're going to get to sing one of them here. I don't know if I told Cooper this ahead of time, but it came up and I was like, wow, this is going to be great. But in the song Living Hope, second verse, it says, for, uh, it says, who could imagine so great a mercy? Who could, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory, and this is the line that got me. To wear my sin and bear my shame. I hope you've experienced that, God. I hope that you know him personally. I hope that the truth of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on a cross outside of the city has wrecked your life. And so then when you get to sing words like that, you are getting to steal, to plagiarize the words of these great composers who have created lyrics that I could never have arranged on my own. And I can praise God with new language and new verbiage and new phrases that I'm not smart enough to think up, but they deeply represent where my heart is. I hope that you know that, God. I hope that He has changed your life. And if so, I know that then you are compelled to sing forth loudly and proudly because God has wrecked your life. He has changed you completely. He has redeemed you from the pit that you deserve, from the destruction that you have earned. And He has said, I want to adopt you as my son. I want to bring you into my family. I want to make you a saint. I want to change your life completely. Will you accept it? Are you okay if I bear your shame, if I wear your sin? And in our arrogance, we try to be enough all the time. And he says, stop, stop, accept my love, accept my grace. And when I understand God that way, when he's the person of these scriptures, I don't need to just be commanded to sing. I'm compelled to. So let me pray, and we're going to sing.